All right, guys, welcome back into Ram's Edges. This is episode 21, and it is a debate episode, or at least I hope it will be one. Um, I'm Jake Ellenbogen, and today we'll be talking about the 2021 to 2022 Super Bowl champion Los Angeles Rams uh, versus the 1999 to 2000 uh, St. Louis Rams, the greatest show on turf Super Bowl winning champions. And I want to talk about this because I think it's really interesting. People ask me all the time, you know, who would win in this matchup? And I don't think it's just as simple as, oh, it's the greatest show on turf. Or I don't think it's just as simple as to say, oh, it's the 2021 to 2022 Rams. Um, we should probably give them a, uh, a nickname moving forward. So I'm going to call them the uh, just the Rams, right? But let's just look at it, right? So at any point, if anybody wants to call in, uh, feel free to do so, but I'm going to have, you know, my take on it. Um, you know, I think when you, you look at the two rosters, they're similar. I think the Rams defense earlier in the season was kind of similar to the Rams, uh, defense back in 1999. Uh, but when you really look at it, you know, I really have to say it's a lot closer than people would give it credit for. Um, you know, obviously, number one overall offense, you know, top five arguable defense. But I think it's closer than people give it credit for. And I think the reason for that is Matthew Stafford, Cooper Cup, Aaron Donald, Jalen Ramsey. If you think about it, right off the rip, the Rams got to Joe Burrow. The Rams got to Tom Brady. The Rams got to Kyler Murray all throughout the postseason. So they would have to get to Kurt Warner, essentially. And Kurt Warner which I love the guy, is not Lamar Jackson running out of that pocket. So I do think they could have attacked him, you know, put some pressure on him, all of that. But what I'll say is that I think the biggest X factor in this matchup would 100%, no doubt about it, be Marshall Falk. I think he's something that the greatest show on turf has that I don't think the Rams have to match. What's up, Ricky? Welcome What's to the going show, man. Um, I'm sorry, the background noise. I'm on vacation down here at Daytona, and this car is going up down the street. Oh, no worries at all. Uh, just to start off with what you said, you, you brought something to the light. The biggest difference maker would be Matthew Stafford. And... and Marshall Falk. So, yeah, I, I think. Oh, I think a lot of people were asking this question when the Rams were in the Super Bowl back in 2018. And I could not entertain that because we were not getting Todd Gurley, you know, at his best. We were not getting Jared Goff going into the playoffs was shaky. He won some games. You know, Dallas, I don't think he played ultimately that well, just didn't really, you know, make mistakes. And the Saints game, he had some good throws, but he was not dominant in that game the way he showed he could be throughout the season up until, you know, the down the stretch area of the season. So the way I see it is that when you look at this debate, I think it is a legitimate debate because the 2018 team, I think was ultimately better than the team that just won the Super Bowl, but they didn't have Matthew Stafford. So now when you factor in this team, 
And you factor in the fact that, yeah, I mean, the Rams, I think, would have a hard time blocking Aaron Donald. I think the, the greatest show on turf would have a hard time blocking Aaron Donald. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot, though, on both sides. You look at Todd Light. He had six interceptions on that 1999 team. What's not talked about is Mike Jones, who made the tackle, wasn't just some guy. He had four interceptions, uh, you know, that season. Then you look at, you know, Dexter McLeon coming away with four interceptions. Dre Bly with three. So they had some guys definitely that, you know, with Matthew Stafford not afraid to really take a risk, uh, you know, he might have had, you know, some hard times with, right? But when you look at the offense for the greatest show on turf, Marshall Falk is what stands out to me. That, that season, he had 340 touches for 2,429 yards. And that is on par, basically, with what Cooper Cup did. And I feel like when you look at what Marshall Falk did that year, um, it was pretty incredible uh, to have 7.1 yards per touch average is insane. He played all 16 games. He was like a quarterback on the field. The thing that really hurt the Rams in this past Super Bowl and made it a lot harder and more exciting for them was the fact that, simply put, they did not have a running back like Falk. They did not have a running back like Gurley. Cam Akers was coming off a Achilles. Uh, then you look at, you know, Daryl Henderson, who was huge in that game, and I'm a big fan of his, but he was also coming off a high ankle sprain. Sony Michelle, they had basically phased out because they went away from the 12 personnel that was working. And, you know, I just don't think they had anybody close to what Marshall Falk would bring to the table. On top of that, you know, obviously it's Torrey Holt, his, you know, rookie season. So you can kind of compare him to, you know, second year Van Jefferson. But Isaac Bruce was fantastic. He had 12 touchdowns that year, you know, and he had over 1,100 yards. On top of that, Hakeem was valuable. So you get that, you know, the spacing on the field. You have Marshall Falk. I just think maybe this year. We're talking about this being almost no doubter because I think they have two linebackers that be able to cover Marshall Falk or at least try their best to cover him. Last year, they didn't because Troy Reader was playing the majority of the snaps at the linebacker spot with Ernest Jones. And if you got Troy Reader isolated with Marshall Falk, that would not go your way. Okay. Um, in that Super Bowl with Marshall Falk, did Bill Belichick take him away from us? Because as I remember, like the highlight, main highlights was Torrey Holt and Ozzy Bruce in that game. Well, I would say, to be honest with you, they basically held him the entire game. They got away with it because the refs weren't calling holding. But if you go back and you watch, you know, McGinnis is, is holding him the whole game. But that um, that's the team that I'm actually not comparing him to. I'm comparing him to the 99 team that beat the Titans. Okay. So, uh, I mean, well, well, who, who was the standouts in the 99 game? The 99 game against uh, the Titans? Yes, sir. Well, so Kurt Warner threw for over 400 yards in that game. He threw two touchdowns, didn't throw a pick. Then, you know, when you look at the the running game, they really actually didn't run it much with Falk. Uh, what they did is they used him in the passing game, and he had almost 100 yards 
in that game alone. They only ran the ball 10 times. They realized they weren't going to be able to run it with, you know, that stacked defensive line with Javon Curse in the trenches like that, um, which I think is kind of beneficial to, you know, the other argument of this is, you know, would today's Rams win that matchup? And I feel like, you know, having Donald and Sean and all that, they might do the same thing that Tennessee did, but then the greatest show on turf Rams would be able to be like, all right, well, we'll put Falk on, we'll isolate him on your linebacker. And, you know, say we all about Ernest Jones and how great he was, but is he covering Marshall Falk? I don't know. And he, I can tell you right now, Reader was not. So then on top of that, in that game, you had Torrey Holt go for, uh, you know, seven catches, 109 yards and a touchdown. And then you had Isaac Bruce go for six uh, for 162 yards and a touchdown, including a 73-yard touchdown that was really like the go-ahead. Um, so, you know, those guys were really leaned on in this game. Um, I don't know if I would say that they would 100%. Like, if they played one game, I think it could be a coin flip. I'm curious to see what Ramspeed has to say about this because – this is something I've started to notice, like people are talking about. It's the dead of the season, dead of the offseason. Uh, people are just dying for football. And I feel like this is a, it's a good topic, a good debated uh, topic. Well, I think, like, as you pointed out, we would take the run game away. But our secondary, I don't think, could hold up versus Isaac Bruce and Torrey Hope and Azahara King. All them, I don't think we could hold we could hold up to them. Yeah, I mean, it, I think it'd be somewhat tough, um, looking at it, you know. But I, I think ultimately, I think the Rams, the you know the twenty twenty one twenty twenty two Rams, I think could win that that matchup. Um, I will say there is a little bit of an asterisk here because. What are we calling the 2021 Rams? Like, in this sense, is this fully healthy? Because if this is fully healthy, we never saw Woods with OBJ and Cooper Cup and Van. So that might change things. Because the Rams finished as the seventh offense in the league and 15th on defense as far as points for, points allowed deal. Um, so that that is an interesting thing. Because if Woods is healthy the whole year... I don't think they even go through that three-game losing streak, to be honest with you. If they have him, they have OBJ, they have, you know, I just I don't see it. So it is really interesting there. Um, you know, obviously, I think there'd be a lot going on because, again, you have so many weapons on both sides. But I think you'd have more of a defensive presence. And not to say that the Rams didn't have a defense because the Rams, you know, the, the Great Show and Turf Rams did. Um, you know, but they only got to, you know, Steve McNair once with Kevin Carter. So it's not like they, like the Rams just, you know, this past moment, I mean, they just sacked Joe Burrow like seven times in the Super Bowl. So I do think that they would give Warner some, some pressure. Kevin Carter had 17 sacks that year, far at eight, eight and a half. Grant Wistrom had six and a half. So they definitely had, you know, a presence. They, they had 57 sacks on the season, and they only gave up 33, the offensive line did. Whereas the Rams had 50, and they only gave up 31. So, believe it or not, 
the greatest show on turf Rams had more sacks than the LA Rams. And I think that's, that's kind of interesting, but I don't think it's, it's definitely not like make or break in that sense. Hmm. So I'm just waiting for, Oh, there he is. Uh, How's it going? Rams beat. Good. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah, I can. Oh, I don't know why I fell off the speaker list up there. Um, oh, I guess I'm a caller. Uh, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, a couple things comparing these teams. I thought about this a lot. And, I mean, one of the reasons that the sack numbers aren't there is this defense, it's a very different defense with this too high shelf that these, um, you know, that's, uh, I'm sorry, that, yeah, too high show the really light box that they play with, you know, a lot of mostly six-man, maybe seven-man box. And, you know, Donald and Gaines or Ashawn are in there, and they're, job isn't necessarily to you know get to the quarterback and pound him and the same thing with the edges it's really a it's a um you know fill the gaps kind of one gap and a half kind of a concept and um and push the line back don't let him get to the second level in case it's a run and then um if it's a pass then you know shoot through and get and get and get the pressure on so the sacks aren't going to be there i think sacks are becoming kind of a I won't say outdated, but a less telling statistic in the NFL than they used to be because of these um, lighter boxes that are being played. So um, that's one thing. But the other thing I had tweeted out a while ago um, that the Rams had the uh, uh, the 21 Rams had by far the fewest receptions, percentage of total receptions by running backs in the league, and it wasn't even close. 12.8% of the Rams receptions were by their running backs. Um, you know, in contrast, the number one team, Carolina, for, you know, pretty obvious reasons was, uh, was over 30. <clears throat> Most teams are kind of in the 20 range. So almost double what the Rams are. So it's not just the running game that, um, you know, we couldn't really execute on. And I really blame that more on the, uh, you know, we didn't have that, that explosive runner. Um, like we, you know, with obviously Sony did his job, but he wasn't that guy. But uh, with the other guys hurt, but also um, the, uh, the it was mainly the line, you know, that just wasn't executing. I don't think on that outside run zone zone run scheme that McVeigh runs. And um, so, yeah, I think that. But I think the passing game to the running backs could have been used a lot more, and it just wasn't. Um, they really kept those guys inside for pass pro more than they did shooting them out, and. Um, that's something I really look forward to seeing a lot more of this year. When I think of Marshall Falk, I mean, I really do think of his of his receiving capability. That really spread out those inside, you know, that of that defense because they had to commit one, one and a half guys um, when he went out there in the flat or something. And then he also lined up wide. He could beat guys as well. Like we don't have a receiver that can do that. I mean, Hendo a little bit, but, but not really unless he's super healthy. So those are a couple of the big differences I see defensively and offensively between the two teams. And I agree with you because I feel like what we were talking about, you know, before you got on here, um, you know, I think when you look at the Rams now, you know, it's having guys like Donald and Ramsey – that really are physically, you know, imposing on, on a football field, you know, and, and having those guys in there, you know, that definitely helps you. And then you have Stafford, who's pinpoint accurate. Um, but make no mistake about it, this great show on turf defense was always, you know, they were 
they were aggressive. They had more they had more sacks. Um, like you said, sacks aren't really you know a huge thing anymore. But more interceptions. Like they were trying to be aggressive. They were trying to steal possessions, obviously, to get that unbelievable offense back on the field, and it worked. And so, you know, I think when you you look at this team uh, now with all of the talent they had. I don't think it would be a walk in the park as some, you know, do like to make it out more. So the St. Louis fans that stopped following the team after they moved, like it's a no brainer for them. Like, Oh, well, you know, Grace Sean Turf would win easily. I don't think it would be easily. And I do think, you know, if you played this in a series, you know, say nine games or seven games or whatever, you know, it'd be around like five, four, or if it's seven game series, four, three or something like I, I feel like it could almost be like a coin flip because Sean McVay, I feel like, would be able to, like, even if they lost the first game, if they would turn it around, I feel like they'd win, like, the next game. And, you know, I just kind of, I look at it, I feel like it would come down to the wire. And at that point, it's Matthew Stafford, who I believe will be a Hall of Famer when it's all said and done, versus a Hall of Fame quarterback in Kurt Warner. And... You know, I think just both teams are so talented, but really what it comes down to is, you know, like I said, and like you, you also mentioned, Marshall Falk is, is just the X factor to me. Like, he's like having Marshall Falk on that side is like having, like the Rams having Aaron Donald. Like, there's nobody like those two in the game. It's just those two. Like, they're one of a kind. Okay. Yeah. Um, um, how much has the, is the drop off between Marshall Falk's receiving and, like Steven Jackson and so forth on to Cam Akers. And another question, if you want to do this debate, would you take um, Mike March or Sean McVay? Sean McVay. No doubt. But on but what you were saying, you know, before that, I think there is a significant drop-off between now's running backs and Marshall Falk. I think Marshall Falk might be the guy that just because he doesn't have the stats to prove it, he might have actually been the greatest running back of all time. Because if you look at as far as what he had altogether, I know it's always Barry Sanders. I know it's always Walter Payton and all that, Jim Brown. When you look at everything he had, like he was just like unbelievable. I mean, thousand yard rusher, thousand yard receiver, same season. A guy that could have a hundred catches in a year a guy that could pass protect just as well as anybody, probably better than anybody, a guy that had the football IQ that Warner had. I mean, Warner says it all the time. Peyton Manning says it all the time. You know, Peyton knows. He's nice about it to Edgerin. He's another Hall of Famer. But he knows, man, when they got Edgerin James as opposed to Marshall Falk, that was a downgrade. That was an absolute downgrade. Marshall Falk is one of the greatest running backs of all time. And I think – he might actually be the best, and no one wants to talk about that. Because when you think about Rams running backs, everyone says Eric Dickerson. And I will say to Eric Dickerson's defense, they just had him run the ball 400 times. Like, he never had a chance to really showcase his receiving chops out of the backfield. It wasn't that type of offense. But Marshall Falk did, and he absolutely, we're talking about right now, like, he would be, I think, the deciding factor for the greatest show on turf. I think that's how they would win any game. When you have a guy like that, there's nobody else to compare that to. The closest guy to Marshall Falk really was LT. 
So we could pretty much stick Marshall Falk in any era and he would be successful. 100%. Because the thing about Marshall Falk is that he was 5'10 to 11. You know, and when I hear people talk about Marshall Falk, it's like, oh, he was a small running back. I've even heard scat back mentioned. And then I hear, like, you know, people talk about Dalvin Cook. You realize they're, like, the same size? Marshall Falk actually weighs a pound heavier than Dalvin Cook. Like, he was a big guy. You know, he was he was filled out. I mean, obviously, 5'10 isn't, like, tall. But he's a big guy. So not only could he shed tackles, he had great balance. But, you know, also, he was so elusive at that size. He was unbelievable. At San Diego State... Like, Torrey Holt has mentioned it multiple times when he was a kid watching him on TV. He's like, I knew he was going to be, like, you know, next-level superstar. Like, I would stay up late to watch him on the West Coast. Like, that that's what Marshall Falk was. And then it translated to the NFL. And, you know, I don't think that they win the Super Bowl without trading for Marshall Falk. The fact they got him from, you know, the, the Colts, and the reason they got him from the Colts, because the Colts refused to help him out with the whole, uh, there was a bonus he didn't get for not getting a certain X amount of yards or whatever. And he wanted out. They wanted to move on from him. I mean, they kind of kick-started the greatest show on turf in a way. But. Yeah. the Yeah, he was, uh, yeah, he was amazing. I feel like, you know, thinking about it, I wonder what that offense uh, would have looked like with um, if this current defense, this uh, Fangio-Staley defense, this two-eye shell thing was in place at the, you know, uh, during that time. And, um, you know, how would it have impacted the downfield passing teams like the Rams? You know, just, I always wonder about that kind of stuff. Uh, it's interesting to think about if we're talking about, you know, what would it have looked like if these two teams played? We're not just, you know, have to compare rosters, but compare schemes. Yeah, absolutely. And just, you know, you're going five wide the way the, the St. Louis Gray Sean Turf would do at times. Um, you know, I think it, it would be really tough. Like, this is a legit debate because. I just don't see how either team is by far the favorite. Oh yeah, they're very. I mean, it's very even. I mean, it's a gotcha good conversation. It'd be. Um, feel like this. I feel like the the twenty one team is built, you know, differently. Um, it's the top heavy, bottom heavy team. Not a lot of the mid tier guys, and um, that twenty in the the. Greatest on turf team had a lot of them, a lot more mid-tier guys. I mean, the Albert but just was a lot of, a lot of really good middle-tier guys. With that, this team relies so heavily on these, on these rookie contract guys. If if we did five wide right now with our roster, who who would they put out there? Um. I would have to imagine, you know, you're going to look at, obviously, Cooper Cup, Allen Robinson, Van. And then the other two would be a combination. Maybe they put out Atwell for, you know, a certain package. And then, you know, maybe they put, you know, Tyler Higby or Kendall Blanton or, or Bryson Hopkins or Jacob Harris. And then, you know, the running backs. I think, you know, there's a good chance that they could flex Hendo or, or Cam Akers out wide or even Kyron Williams, who's a former wide receiver in his own right. So, 
yeah, I think that there's a lot of different things they could do there. And that's why I do think they're going to try going to that level where you do see more of that. I think they're going to mix things up this year. I think they're going to be more pass happy because at the end of the day, like they brought in Liam Cohen. They brought him in for a reason. Like they're going to try to go more vertical, I think. And that's the thing is you can't do last year. It worked for last year. It's not necessarily going to guarantee to work for this year. So you got to be ready to make adjustments. And I think that's something that the Rams are, are very much planning on. Um, you know, this year, and I'm excited for it because I think it's it's a it's definitely a step in the right direction. Knowing like, hey, you know, you, you yes, last year that won for us last year, uh, but you know, there's a target on our back, so you know that's something to keep in mind moving forward. Yeah, I think McVay was frustrated with the run game last year, and I feel like he doesn't want to uh, you know go ahead and and run run into the same brick wall that he did last last year. I, I just feel like he, um, I think he's going to, you know, pass to pass to open up the run, so to speak. And, um, where most teams go the other way. And, uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see what he comes up with. And with Cohen coming in there, you're right. It's going to definitely going to, uh, definitely going to be more of a, um, you know, more of a, a four wide, at least, if not five wide, um, sets, you know, empties and other things like that. It's going to be, I think it'll be a lot of fun. Look, I think it's going to be a ton is, of fun. I, I know this is off topic, but it just hit my head real quick. Um, I don't know, Jack, if you've seen it. Um, i seen where somebody else had brought forth that Bleacher Report is uh, saying something about the Rams has got like a trade offer for Robert Quinn on the table. Um, I I think they're just predicting it. I, I don't really look at Bleacher Report or, like, you know, Ramblin' Fan or any of those because I think they're really just speculating. I don't think it's actual, like, news, you know. Oh, that's the reason why I brought it forth to you so other fans out there, listeners, can hear you say it, and there it is, what it is. Yeah, you know, I, I think a lot of the time, I mean, I, I get, like, DMs like that. I'm like, hey, you know, is this reputable? And I'm like, uh, I don't know about that, you know, so – no, it's good. It's it's good that you're you're questioning it because, you know, anybody can put anything on the internet and pass it off as fact. I mean, we we know just from, you know, obviously anybody that's used the internet, you've you've come across something where somebody is, you know, rickrolled you or or whatever they call it now. But, um, but yeah, I mean, no, I I don't I don't believe there's any anything to that. I think they just made. You know, like a just a article. You know, during the dead of the, during the dead of the off season, you're gonna find stuff like that all the time. I, I know it was off topic, and I'm sorry about that, but I just had to get it out there before it slipped my mind. No, you're fine. Since you're like the what they call you now, the Jake Father or something. <laughs> Father Jake, and I don't, I don't even, I don't even know why I'm called that. <laughs> yeah, so uh, a good thing when you mentioned the five wide set, and just throw it back to that. How you mentioned you ran down through the list, and the running back is one of the last things you said. But going back to the conversation of '99 versus present. 
Marshall Falk was one of the players that I I could hardly ever remember him coming off the field. He really didn't because if you go back and you look, I mean, for the most part, there wasn't really anybody there that was going to take his carries. I mean, they gave 78 to Robert Holcomb that year. He was the fullback pretty much. Mm -hmm. Him and James Hodgins. But, you know, like, for the most part, we're talking 253 carries for Falk. And the way people talk about him is like he's this small back. He had more carries than anybody the Rams had, you know, this past year. And then, you know, you go and you look at the overall touches. He had 340 because he was targeted 103 times, called in 87 passes. If you were to look this year, you know, as far as just anybody in general, no one had that many touches on the Rams. The 340 is crazy. Let's tell let's tell a little bit about how old some of us fans are. I was in high school, and I got sick, and I I threw up out on the football field. Well, the next day they put a picture up. Uh, I guess it was Monday. I was coming in the locker room, and on my locker is a picture of Marshall Falk when he got sick out on the field and didn't come off the field. Oh, yeah. I've, I've seen that, actually. And 99, I was like, dang, I was playing ball right then. And he was a – he's playing, and he was a boss out there. And I was like, ha, huh, I did what he did. <laughs> yeah, he <clears> – <throat> He was unreal. He he really was, and I feel right. like. Whereas know, nowadays you see running backs that come off the field every three to four plays. Seems that way. I don't know how those guys stayed. I mean, healthy like these guys these days are just getting so banged up, and you know, you're lucky if they get past their rookie deal, and um, you know they can be a superstar one year and just fall off the next. It's. It's uh, so many of the older guys uh, just somehow had a lot longer careers. Yeah. No, they. I definitely hear you there. I think that's really, yeah. I mean, they just, I, I don't understand how a guy like Frank Gore stayed around as long as he did. He just recently retired, didn't he? Like last year? Yeah. <clears throat> Finally retired. And he started playing when uh, Steven Jackson? Um, Frank Gore was in Miami. He had a – didn't he have an Achilles tear? Or was that Willis McGahee? Or was that both? Both of them, actually. Yeah, McGahee was Tampa Bay, right? But um, uh, I don't know. Yeah, he, I know he's bounced around. I think he's played for – has he played for more teams than any other NFL player? Something like that. I don't know. Uh, no, he only played for five. But oh, did he? Oh, okay, I'm thinking. But I mean, he, yeah. he ended up finishing exactly at sixteen thousand yards, which is crazy. Yeah, yeah, right on the nose. That's, that's <clears> crazy. <throat> Eighty-one touchdowns. Yeah, he was. But you know, I'll say this: I don't think he was better than Jackson. I think he played a lot longer. But I think if you were to take either of them at their prime. You know, I I think Jackson was the better bat. San Francisco had a better line for running it than Steven Jackson had with St. Louis. Yeah, I mean, that's that's another thing. 
Like San Francisco at least had, I guess, you know, some offensive line. It'll be interesting to see if he makes the Hall of Fame because he has the numbers, but you know, he you no know, one would ever think of him as the best player, or even the top three, or maybe even five player, you know, in any given uh, span of time, or you know, in any given year. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, it's really like I feel like we talked about Marshall Fox so much. I feel almost kind of bad that you know. It's almost like we didn't talk enough about Tory Holt, but I just feel as though they're kind of, I don't want to say canceled out, but if you have Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, OBJ, and Van Jefferson, like I do feel like they're, they have a better receiver group than the Gray Show on Turf Rams with Holt, Bruce, and Hakeem, and, and Prohl. I mean, I just uh, yeah, <clears throat> but I would say only Hakeem that's rough. is the weak yeah. point of that team. I think Hakeem was actually pretty valuable. Um, it's just he, you know, he dropped the ball in the Saints game and has not ever been forgotten and ever been forgiven, I guess, by Rams fans. Well, I mean, yeah, that's an interesting comparison because. Like, okay, so of our, of, you know, Torrey Holt will eventually get in the Hall of Fame. Um, he should have been in last year, but, uh, you know, whatever happened. But um, I think he will get in and uh, in the next year or two. So that's two Hall of Famers. And Cup, you know, is, is headed that direction for sure, obviously. But, um, you know, who else, right? I mean, right now, these other guys aren't, you know, even close. So. Yeah. Well, if if Robertson has a blow up season this year, will he be pushed to a Hall of Fame? I don't think so. He's. I mean, I just did his numbers today. Actually, um, he's average. You know, because he's been hurt and he's played like twelve games so many years, but. Um, He's averaged uh, essentially um, like uh, if you, you know, prorated, if he played full seasons, he was on pace every year for about a thousand yards, um, six touchdowns. That's kind of his pace, nine, not 900 to a thousand yards, six touchdowns. So, but he's been a number one everywhere he's been. They forced him the ball, <clears throat> you know, and he's uh, Jacksonville and the Bears, and he just hasn't. Um, uh, you know, never really had a great quarterback, but still being a number one, you're going to get a lot of balls and there's going to be a lot of mop up time and other things as well. So, um, yeah, it'll be interesting to see his number two. I wanted to ask you actually, Jake, what do you think, uh, what do you project for him in terms of receptions, yards and touchdowns this year? Oh yeah. I'm, uh, I'm pretty high on him. Um, I actually just did a video on it. I have uh, 151 targets, 107 receptions, uh, 1,637 yards, and 11 touchdowns. I, I think. 1,000. How 1, many 000, yards? Uh, sorry, what was that? How many yards? Uh, 1,637. 1,600 yards for Robinson. I think he leads the league in receiving. Wow. Yeah. And how many receptions? Uh, 107. 
Wow, that's pretty good. They're gonna they're gonna double team Cup all year long. And touchdowns? How many did you say? Uh, I had eleven for Robinson. eleven. Wow. Well, yeah, my my friend, you can make some. Uh, you can make a lot of money um, on the futures on his over under. He's he's uh, his over under this year is seventy one uh, receptions and eight hundred and twenty five yards. What was Robert Woods averaging? Um, what was Woods averaging? Yes, sir. Like first career. Past two years. I can look it up. Let me see. Or, or pretty much, what was he on pace for last year before he got hurt? Um. All right. So he had what? Forty-five catches for five hundred fifty-six yards. Um, let's see here. So he was on pace for 1,050 yards in a 17-game season. Yeah, see, that's what I think. I think I'm, uh, I'm, I'm high. I thought I was high on... Robinson, but you're way higher on him. Um, I think he's going to be in that Woods range, and uh, um, yeah, with a few more touchdowns. But um, yeah, but your so your point is that you think he's going to be, he's just going to get a ton of targets because Cup's going to get so much attention. And I think they're both going to get similar targets. I just think Robinson's targets are going to be more premium as far as like how big they're going to be. Like he's going to be going deep down the field. You know, so I think Robinson is going to have a bunch of those. And I think that's why, like, I have Cup in, I think, 1400 range. I'm looking at it right now. Uh, Yeah, I have him at 1438. 13 touchdowns. Gotcha. 116 receptions. Wow, that's huge. Yeah, I'm, I'm thinking, like, Van is going to be around 800 again. I know people are like, how do you not have Van at 1,000? I'm like, well, because you also have to include Tyler Higby. You have to include the running backs. I mean, I really think they're going to use, you know, Daryl Henderson as like a James White type deal. So, you know, he'll have like 50 targets. Akers will have a bunch of targets. And then I think when you look at the tight ends, you know, I think Higby is going to have his worst year of his career. And it's not going to be his fault. And it's going to go back to what I've been saying with Tyler Higby. Higby was not in the top 10 on ESPN. That that just actually came out. Um, he was not in the top 10. He was at the very bottom honorable mention. Uh, receiving votes. Other receiving votes. And what I'll say about this is Tyler Higby is probably a top 10 tight end. If you put him in, Den- if you put him in uh, Tampa, you put him in Denver, you put him in Atlanta, whatever, he's probably going for 800 yards, I would at least say. Uh, maybe he's a guy that could get stopped. I don't feel like Mark Andrews is that much better as a pass catcher than Tyler Higby is what I'm saying. So, like, basically, Higby has been held back because he's been in an offense that has a ton of talent all around. And, you know, an offense that spreads the ball out. 
and he doesn't have a chance to really eat, so to speak. So I think this year he's going to be potentially under 400 yards because of how much there is all over the place. And I did actually make a projection uh, for Odell as well. I had him with uh, 26 catches for 320 yards and two touchdowns uh, to end the season. I had him, you know, re-upping with the Rams and coming back like late November. So then I also had 2-2 Atwell. Um, you know, it was more about total yards because I'm at 272 receiving and I had 144 rushing. Two rush, uh, two rushing touchdowns and two receiving touchdowns. So yeah, that's good. <clears throat> um. So yeah, I was going to ask you about that. Well, I I agree. I think he's. I think they're going to get him involved, and uh, he'll have a good year, and he'll you know sort of quiet the noise surrounding him. Yeah, yeah I mean, really, I all they have to do is just kind of give him the ball and just let him do his thing, you know. Yeah. Um, so, what do you see happening in terms of trades this year? Do you, do you see them? Um, do you see them just kind of wait and see and see where we, you know, just like they usually do, where we get some injuries and and uh, fill the gaps like we did with Sony and Vaughn last year, and um, OBJ was just an opportunistic, you know, signing of a great player for nothing. But um, wasn't necessarily out of need at the time, although it came in handy with Robert Woods going down a couple of days later. But um, in terms of, do you see any trades or fortification of any position groups, or is it going to be wait and see where we uh, start to get some attrition? Well, what I'm really curious about, and what's not being talked about nearly enough, is the idea that you know we're focusing on, oh, well, who will the Rams? acquire, right? Like, a lot of the talk is, is it Montez Sweat? Is it Robert Quinn? What if they feel really good about their roster, and the trade they might make is to actually trade away somebody? I would not be surprised if they trade away a Taylor Rapp uh, going into a contract year if they see what they like, you know, if they, if they like what they see out of uh, you know, Quentin Lake, or even, you know, Russ East, because right now they just drafted a safety essentially to play in the preseason. Hope he comes back on the practice squad because they're not going to be able to keep Russ East. So they have Nick Scott. They have to make a decision. To me, I'm bringing back Nick Scott. I think he'll be cheaper. Uh, Taylor Rapp, you probably can't bring back. It's just not, you know, you don't have enough money to do all that. So they have to make a decision. And, you know, furthermore, I'll say this. If a guy like Bobby Brown, you know, emerges or something, Maybe they trade away Aishon, you know, something like that, because these are guys that, you know, their contracts are expiring. And instead of, you know, a, uh, a compensatory pick that would have made way more sense back in the day, compensatory picks don't really matter as much anymore because of all of the, you know, the additions to the coaches, uh, you know, the, the minority coaching stuff. They didn't add additional compensatory picks. They took away ones uh, to do that. So now, you know, even a really top-notch free agent is going to get you a fourth-rounder most times. So when you think about that, yeah, I think it makes sense to, if you feel like, okay, Quentin Lake's ready to go, or, you know, we got to give Terrell Burgess a shot, and you don't see a long-term future, you know, with Taylor Rapp, it's like, you know, when you're dating, you know, 
a girlfriend or whatever, you don't see yourself marrying her. Or you're 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 dating a boyfriend. You don't see yourself marrying him. It's like then why are you dating them? What is the point? The point yeah. is to end up in marriage. And it's like if I'm the Rams and I see Taylor Rapp, it's not going to be the long term solution. And instead, he might actually be stunning the growth of younger players. I'm going to make that trade now and see what I can get for him. Yeah, um, but what could they? What? Yeah, I don't think. Yeah, I don't think they could get much for him. Right? It'd be more kind of like a Kenny Young deal. I mean, it wouldn't be much better than that. Well, the, the Kenny Young deal, if you think about it, that was entirely to move money. So if the Rams are willing to just take on rap salary the rest of the year and trade him away, they could get a higher pick. See what I'm saying? Yeah, that that Kenny. I mean, Kenny Young is only. Wasn't it like two and a half? It was only like two and a half million dollars. I know they needed to do it, but um, no, I know what you're saying. I just I don't know what they would get for rap right now at this point. Uh, that um, <clears throat> the slap, the infamous slap, helmet slap, probably cost him a couple of draft picks, or a couple yeah. of rounds. <laughs> that wasn't a good look, and everyone took Ramsey's side after it too. <laughs> oh god. <laughs> That was crazy. Yeah, no, I, I'm, I'm agreeing with you. I'm on the, the safety room's pretty crowded. Um, you know, the Burgess, the, the, the Burgess mystery will probably continue. Why isn't he on the field? Um, and, uh, you know, he, he balls out on some plays, and he just completely isn't in the right spot on others. And I just don't trust him, I think. You know, he makes just too many big mistakes um, positionally. Did they, ever, did they ever say what that head slap was? I was by, like, what made them two, what was the point of going after each other? They oh, yeah. just don't, I mean, they just have had moments where they don't get along. So, I mean, that's it's a complex defense. It's a that. complex, it's a complex defense. Um, when the, with these, these zone reads and stuff like that. And, uh, depending on where certain players go, they get manned up or, or sometimes they'll get zoned up depending on, on the routes that are being run. And so that defense has to be a well-oiled machine and everybody has to be on the same page. And, um, and uh, you know, Ramsey's yapping back there. You know, he's clearly the alpha back there. But, um, you know, Rap, uh, uh, you know, probably said something to him or something like that, talked back to him or said something and Ramsey wasn't having any of it. That's what I think happened, but they didn't really talk much about it, I don't think. Did they? Yeah. At the end of the day, it's the heat of the moment, you know. It's it like, is, yeah. I don't worry too much about it, but. Oh, not at all. Not at all. Yeah. Not at all. Yeah. Um, so what do you think about Burgess? What do you think? Where do you think he fits? Well, I mean, I think he should be playing. I, I don't know why he's not playing. Um, yeah. You know, I think his skill set is obviously – useful to today's game. He can play nickel. He can play safety. He can be the star role if you need him to. Um, I The thing that bothered me is when they drafted him, everyone was just like, oh, we got our nickel. I'm like, why are we just assuming he can't play safety? Like, <laughs> you know, I, I don't know. Uh, looking at him at Utah, you know, this is somebody that, you know, had great range. He's the first you know, 4-4 speed safety besides Nick Scott. Uh, he, he ran 4-3. 4-4 speed safety, who I felt truly that was going to start. Nick Scott blew me away. I did not expect this from him. But, um, 
you know, a guy that I felt like was going to start since, I mean, Oshimago at Tagwe, and I think even he ran a 4-5. So, you know, you, you had that range, and then on top of that, you had a guy that can come up and, you know, he's a little bit more of an ankle biter because he is a kind of a, a smaller safety. Um, but I, I do feel like he can come up and play the run pretty well. So, I don't know. I just... If I find it hard to believe that, like, I mean, he was getting usage at the end of the year, but I find it hard to believe that they have wraps still over him. Yeah, I know what you mean. Um, yeah, I felt like and I, I like I, rap. I Bur- Yeah, I saw Burgess out of position um, a few times, and right, like, what I did is I went back because he would he would get early early snaps in games, and then he and then he would just gone like they just yank him, and that was that. And um, so I went back and looked at the snaps that preceded his getting pulled and benched and some of the body language on some of the players um, and coaches when he came off the field and stuff like that. And it was pretty clear that he was, um, you know, he was getting talked to about being completely out of position and gave up some plays because of it. You know, it's hard to tell whose fault it is just watching TV, but, you know, watching the game and, and not knowing who's supposed to be where things are so complex these days that, uh, you know, you just kind of have to look at all the other players and who they look at when things go wrong. <laughs> so yeah, you know, kind of like, kind of like on that last play of the, uh, of the game in, in uh, the Tampa Bay playoff game, you know, when they all stared down the, the linebacker who didn't, who didn't go, uh, who didn't go zero. And, and everybody was like, what the hell? And, you know, so, yeah. Yeah, like context clues, you know. Yeah, exactly. He's way more. Uh, Bird's way more talented, um, you know, like athletically, than uh, you know, than I think than Rap, um, especially on pass protection. Rap, that's where Rap really struggled, and just you know, they just weren't. They really weren't ball hawks. Like our interception rate was so low, and um, I'd really like to see that improve. You know, some turnovers in the secondary would be really helpful. And Nick Scott shows that hockey capability for sure. I'm really high on him. Yeah. I mean, Nick Scott just took – I can't even lie. Like, when people are like, did you see this coming? I'm like, oh, hell no. I hated the pick. I felt like they drafted a career special teamer, you know, and I was like, oh, I, I didn't like the pick, but – Nick Scott, man, I'm a big fan because I love watching players really develop, and I don't even think they saw this coming, to be honest with you. <laughs> but so, guys, to wrap it up, uh, did anyone want to ask any final thoughts or, or questions or anything like that? Yeah, who do you think are the uh, who do you think are the breakout players? Um, this season for uh, for the Rams, and then um, maybe even for you know a couple of the other teams there, you know the other three teams in our division. Well, I would definitely say Allen Robinson. I mean, you can't have a guy leading the league and receiving and not call him a breakout player. Um, so Allen Robinson, I would say, I think this is going to be a big year for Nopum. Um. Yeah, big year for Nopum. 
And I think this is going to be a big year for Greg Gaines because he's in a contract year. So I think he's really auditioning for a lot of teams and, you know, even the Rams long term. I mean, I know he sees Bobby Brown in that rearview mirror, you know, it's like, is that for me or is that for Sean? you know? But, uh, yeah, the, I think that's really what I would say in regards to that. And then, um, you know, I think as far as, you know, more breakout guys, you'd probably have to look in the back in the secondary and I think Jordan Fuller is going to have a, a really good year. Um, I think he's going to be better coming off the injury. And, uh, you know, I think another thing, cornerback to Kobe Durant, he's going to be the nickel, I think. And I think he's going to really explode. And I wouldn't be surprised if, if Bobby Wagner, you know, proves all the, the critics wrong. Because I know last year people were saying he, took a, he lost a step. I don't think he lost a step. I think, you know, it's kind of hard to evaluate when the – you know, Seahawks defense wasn't anywhere near as good as last year. So, uh, this past year. So, you know, I think it's kind of where I, I stand on that. I mean, I, I think there are multiple players that could break out, but then on top of that, you know, in the NFC West, the 49ers, I think this is going to be a Kittle season where we start talking about him as the number one tight end again. Um, you know, I think Danny Gray is intriguing because Brandon Ayuk was kind of a, a disappointment. For them, uh, they expected him to kind of take that Debo Samuel next step, and he just didn't. And that's why they drafted Danny Gray so high. So I'm definitely curious to see where he ends up, like as far as his development. Uh, but then you look, you know, obviously on the defensive side, and you know, I think Fred Warner he had some some injury issues. He's back. He's healthy. I think he's in for another you know breakout year. Um, Seattle, I, I mean. I got to tell you, if they let Kenneth Walker run the ball, he's going to absolutely tear up the league. He's he's legit. Um, you know, I like Ryan Neal in Seattle as well, the linebacker slash safety. Um, you know, and then I think looking at Arizona, you know, I definitely think they're going to be in for a down year. But, you know, I think with everything going on with DeAndre Hopkins, um you know, it's an opportunity for, you know, the receivers there. And I know everyone seems to gravitate towards, uh, you know, Marquise Brown, but I'm really not the biggest fan of his. I mean, I, I think you've heard me say it before. I'm just, I really don't see the hype. I never did. I think this is going to be a big Rondell Moore type season. This is his opportunity. Um, I think he's the best receiver in Arizona, and uh, I think he's going to break out. So, you know, just, yeah. you know, looking at that, my guys were those are the guys I would say. Yeah. My guys were, um, uh, yeah, no boom, um, you know, on the Rams, no boom, Scott and, uh, Jones, Ernest Jones going to have, I think a great year. I think he really emerged last year, obviously as our number one, but you know, he was just doing it on pure instinct. Right. And now you get Bobby Wagner to show him, show him the ropes and, and, um, and really, uh, uh, you know, be our primary um, pass, uh, you know, pass, you know, uh, taking over the pass, um, guarding, route running capabilities, and um, letting Bobby stand there on the run. I think it's just going to be, I think he's going to become a superstar. That guy is super talented. I hear a lot of guys and, uh, you know, talking on, um, on other social networks and stuff like that, you know, talking about him. And, um, 
guys from uh, you know the Bengals and stuff like that. And then Nick Scott, I think, is just going to kill it. Um, I like. Uh, I think Ayuk is going to have a bounce back year for the Niners uh, with a with a quarterback that can get the ball out a little bit better. I feel like um, I feel like he was open a lot, uh, like a really lot, um, in uh, and just didn't get the just didn't get the targets. And um, so I think he'll uh, he'll get revived under Trey Lance. And uh, I also look for Kinlaw to bounce back. He was, you know, number one draft pick, um, had a rough rookie season, was hurt all year last year. And I feel like he's going to um, he's going to really bounce back this year. So uh, and then on, on the Seahawks, um, looking for, you know, Cody Barton stepping in to get those snaps, um, joining Jordan Brooks and getting those Bobby Wagner snaps. And, um, you know, he, he had some really good snaps last year, but just they were limited. And uh, so I think he's going to have a good year. And then um, uh, D. Eskridge, I think, is also going to, um, you know, going to get a lot of looks as a wide receiver three with uh, Metcalf, Lockett, and Fant um, getting a lot of attention. And he's pretty talented. Um, also with those quarterbacks, they're going to be wanting to get the ball out quickly. And I think he's going to – he'll have a nice year. Um, and then on the Cardinals, I completely agree. Rondell Moore – Hundred percent peg that. That could be the breakout player of the of the conference. Actually, <laughs> really, if you think about it, for all the reasons you said, with Hopkins down, taking over that Christian Kirk role, Marquise Brown new in the offense. You know, it's just uh, it te- it's teed up for him. And then maybe like a guy like Jalen Thomas. You know, kind of gets overshadowed with by Buda Baker, um, but really, really good, uh, really, really good player. And um, I think he could get some notoriety this year. Um, how's the injury report going? Like, we don't even mention Jacob Harris anymore. Like, how's he doing? Um, well, I mean, I don't really know because, I mean, there's, there's not really, there's not really anything that I've been told. Um, I know Tutu Atwell's doing really well. You know, his shoulder's good. I mean, if the Super Bowl was a month later, he would have probably played in it. Um, like he was almost on the cusp of being able to play. Higby is is all healed up. Henderson is still dealing with something because he played injured in the Super Bowl and like re-injured himself. But like you know he, it was worth it for him. So he's not like you know all worried about it. But uh, yeah, I mean like the injuries, I, I don't think they're too bad. I know there's some you know ob- obvious off-season operation things like that. Like Jalen got stuff done like you gotta get work done when you're in the nfl like stafford got work done in the offseason um but as far as jacob harris i mean he tore his acl mid-season he should be ready to go i would imagine by preseason so but i haven't heard anything on him unfortunately yeah and then kyron williams um uh he, he broke his foot in 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 uh in camp i believe um I don't so understand might... how that happened. I don't either. But it happened. <laughs> I like know how, much, how much force did this guy put in when he was, uh, you know, Cutting. trying to do a jump yeah. move or something? Oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, that's crazy. I know. Especially there's no contact with the Rams and that, you know, at all. So, yeah, no, that was interesting. So I think, I think my understanding is that everybody's going to be ready for camp except for Jalen and, um, and they're going to go. They're going to tread lightly with Kyron Williams, obviously. But those are the only guys that um, I've heard that aren't going to be full participants. 
Yeah. I mean, and Tyron Williams might even be back in preseason. Like, I'm not worried yeah. about him, to be honest with you. Yeah, I'll be back for preseason. I just I think for camp they're going to really um, go, you know, tread lightly. Yeah. No, I definitely feel that. And I think, um, you know, just kind of looking at everything that, that's going on with this team, they have so much depth where I think there's a lot of different things that they'll be able to do. Um you know, where they might be able to even experiment a little bit with Jacob Harris. I think they're going to go the slow play route. Um, I mean, let's put it this way. They got a guy in Joseph Nopum who was ready coming out of uh, TCU. Um, and and they, they slow played that because they had, you know, obviously they had Whitworth. But if they were not trying to hustle and get him in the, the lineup trading away Havenstein and, and doing all sorts of stuff to, to free up spots for him, and they waited that long to sign him. I mean, why would Jacob Harris be any different when this guy has only played football for what three years? Yeah. I mean, I I would totally slow play him. The toughest position as a rookie by far is the tight end position. No one talks about, it, but you have to be an offensive lineman and you have to be a wide receiver essentially. Yeah, I and mean, we saw that in the Super Bowl, right? With with um with uh, Blanton and Hopkins, those guys missed so many blocks in the, in the Super Bowl. Like they were responsible for, I think I counted at least six that were obvious between the two of them, and were just complete whiffs. And uh, our, our running backs got blown up. And um, yeah, just completely. I you know it's but you think about it and say like you said it's. It's uh, to be expected, right? They didn't get the snaps and the reps with um, in practice, you know, as a third and fourth string tight ends, let alone second string, right? With Munt before, you know, obviously when Munt, Munt was injured, but um, but then obviously not, you know, almost no reps in, in game game situations. So uh, yeah, you're exact. I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more. That really hurt us there. Um, they obviously both caught some passes. Uh, um, Hopkins looked good on that one fourth and one uh, jet sweep that was necessary to extend that drive to cut. But uh, yeah, in general, they really missed a lot of tackle or a lot about a lot of blocks. Yeah, no big time. And, you know, I, I think uh, since he's lucky, man, we were ready for that moment. We were ready for anybody to fall down and not be able to get back up because, you know, the Rams drafted, Two two out. Well, they drafted Jacob Harris. They drafted Ben Skoranek, and the fact that two out of the three got hurt and they were out for the year, it was just really dumb luck for the Rams. Yeah, people talk about Harris at tight end. He's not that heavy. I don't think he's big enough. No, um, well, because people see really, you know Kyle Pitts, and it's like you have to understand Kyle. He's Pitts a lot is more bigger. Yeah, yeah, he's a lot bigger. I mean, just talking about weight. I I was I bought into this narrative, and then I went and looked at the numbers. And I I mean, Harris is only like is he like two fifty two twenty two twenty two fifty? I mean, he's he's he both up to two twenty five two twenty five, but and he's tall, isn't he? Like six four six five or something. But so he looks yeah, like a he's big got guy. the he's got the almost the same exact measurables as Calvin Johnson. Yeah, yeah, he's he's a big guy, but he's not he's not bulky like that. And and um, our other tight ends, our other uh, our two forties, I think, um, in the you know in that range. So it's a different it's a different uh, physical 
makeup. So I, I really think that's why McVeigh, you know, when first asked about him, you know, obviously notoriously said, well, I think he's a wide receiver. <laughs> so yeah, he might, yeah, he could surprise though this year. It'd be very, it, who knows, man, that's with all he those. Could, but the injury did not help. Like, I feel like the yeah. injury almost helped uh, Fuller because it's like the same thing with like uh, Cooper Cup. Like Cooper Cup would not have been as explosive if he didn't get hurt because the rehab allowed him to target how he was moving and he literally had to teach himself how to like run again. And so because of that, he started taking like these new techniques that he was working on and like the way he just went through his process, like he explained it, it made him more explosive. Right. But that's the thing. So I, I actually have this kind of theory that, uh, you know, Fuller is going to end up being more explosive of a player moving forward. Um, and he's going to be better, but you know, I think with Jacob Harris, that's not the injury you wanted him to have because this guy still he is not grasped the concept of the NFL game yet. Not even like the game of football. I mean, like I say, he's only been playing football for three years. It would have been different had he had been like a seasoned vet, but it doesn't work that way, you know, when you're you're trying to learn the ropes. So, unfortunately, kind of similar to like Cam Akers, how he wasn't really able to work on anything, um, you know, because when you you look at it, I mean, Cam Akers, how was he going to work on anything when he was rehabbing the whole year? Um, when you get right. hurt, you you now no longer you focus on rehab. You don't focus on getting better. So, you focus on you know repairing, not not getting better. You know, not improving your play. And so for that reason, I feel like Jacob Harris, um, you know, he's going to be kind of sidelined a little bit. I think he's going to be used in, uh, you know, goal line situations. I think they'll use him more, you know, in, in red zone packages and things, um, maybe even as a decoy to start. And then when he gets the hang of it, you know, make him the option. Um, but I still think he's mainly going to be a special teamer for another year or two. Yeah, that could make sense. Hey, I know we're over, so I'll leave you with this. Um, I ran across this stat. I'm, I'm doing a one-on-one debate with a, a guy from the Niners and, um, in the next couple of weeks. And uh, the um, so you know they're they're already penciling Trey Lance in as the next uh, you know uh, Mahomes. <laughs> and they you know they, they have to be optimistic about the guy because. Because what else can they do, right? I mean, they can't have a, you know, with that roster and in the window that they're in, they just, you know, they don't have an option but to believe that Lance is going to be all that. Um, but, you know, so, and I don't have anything against Trey Lance or think he's not going to be. My only thing is, because he has a lot, a lot of the, you know, the physical capability, he's smart, he works hard, he's mature and all those kinds of things. But obviously, he's, we just don't have a lot of film on him. But, well, so I just, I just looking at statistically speaking, I thought, well, I know about half of first round quarterbacks are busts, you know, um, first round picks are busts, right? It's just so statistically speaking right there, um, you know, it's a 50, 50 shot, just pure statistically speaking. But then I went and looked at, well, let's give them the benefit of the doubt. Let's look at the one through five picks. And so first round picks actually have done really, really well. I'm sorry, number one, not first round, number one picks, number, quarterbacks who are picked number one. Um, have done well. But guys that are picked two through five, check out this stat. Guys that have been picked two through five at the quarterback position, the last one to hit was Matt Ryan in 2008. 
10 quarterbacks have been picked two, three, four, or five since then, and all of them are busts. <laughs> Mary, I'm going to read them to you who they are. Mariota, and some of them are a little iffy, but Mariota, Trubisky, RG3, Darnold, Vince Young, Blake Bortles, Joey Harrington, Mark Sanchez, uh, Carson Wentz, and then Tua. And you could say those last two guys were, you know, or you could, you know, Tua maybe still up in the air and Carson Wentz, you can take it or leave it. But, um, uh, cause he won a Super Bowl, but those are the 10 guys. That's not very good odds. <laughs> so, no, know. no, it's, it's, it's not. I mean, I, you know me, I'm, I'm pretty big on, on Lance. Um, he's one yeah. of the best quarterbacks I've ever scouted, but yeah, those odds, it's kind of weird how that ends up, you know, it's like, it's just a draft selection, but yet, the stats show that like for whatever reason in that round in that area there's not success it's, it's kind of weird yeah I, I don't know what it is about all those guys what do those guys have in common Mariota, Trubisky, RG3, Darnold, Vince Young, Blake Bortles, Joey Harrington, Mark Sanchez those all those guys were superstars in college and um and that just didn't translate and so, you know, it's just amazing that for the sophistication of the, you know, that's the last 15 years. And, and with the sophistication of the coachings and the analysts and the analytics and the, you know, all of these things that, that have been in place since, you know, recently, that there could be that many misses. It's just, that's what, uh, that's confounding to me. No, I, I agree with you. Um, 100% agree with you. And, yeah. you know, I, I think it's uh, – it, patterns are patterns for a reason. So yeah. it might anyway. seem a little weird. I mean, you know, it's uh, – I mean, the proof is in the pudding, right? The ones have done the, – the first number one picks have done extremely well. Like there's only been a few, a few busts. But the, it's the guys right after that. And then, um, and then it just kind of goes downhill from there after the, uh, um, or the, the rest of the draft picks, you know, in the sort of that six through the end of the 32 are, you know, not great. Um, you know, about 25% hit rate, but this, this particular group two through five is <laughs> bus city. Anyway, interesting. Well, let's roll. Thank you for uh, giving me the, the, uh, shout out to come on. I always love chatting with you. Absolutely. Always a pleasure. And you too, Ricky. I know you're uh, muted, but. Yeah, I'm muted because of the background noise and all that. And I just listen to y'all. Y'all know more than I do. <laughs> well, hey, you know, if if you have knowledge and you're not spreading it, then what the hell is the point of having it? <laughs> yeah, it's always good. To, always good for the chat. So, hey, we'll look forward to catching up with you guys again soon. Absolutely. That's going to be it for uh, this episode. Thank you all for listening and, uh, you know, even participating, Ricky and uh, Ramsbeat. But uh, I'm going to head on out of here. We'll be live again on Sunday night. So hope to see you guys then. All right. Thanks a lot, Jake. Thanks, Ricky. Take care, guys. All right, man. Bye.